Voices serves as a megaphone for individuals who have endured transformational change. By highlighting trials and triumphs, our desire is to create a safe space for pivotal conversations, which in turn will deepen the story and provoke hope for you, our listeners. As you may know, change is never easy, but it is inevitable. You are not alone in what you're facing. Your transformation is possible, purposeful, and now. And here's Aaron Wiggum, founder and managing director of New You, with this week's guest. Welcome to another edition of New Voices. My name is Aaron Wiggum. I'm the managing director of New You, also your host of New Voices. And we have amazing, an amazing guest with us today. This young lady uh, is just ripping the streets up like crazy. She has a brand new venture that she has stepped into, and um, she has a wonderful title that I'll share with you in one moment. But uh, when I first met her, uh, you know, almost two years ago now, uh, she just came to us with this ball of energy. Uh, she is one of those people who are quick on her feet and she, she's quick with her mind. And so you say something, she got something right back for you. <laughs> and it's packaged just in her, uh, the way that she wants to say it. But this young woman is dynamic. She is a change maker. She is a pace setter. She brings clarity to multiple communities. Um, I like to call her a conduit, and she allows things to come to her and then flow through her to other people. She is the chief fun officer of Pick Me. Uh, this young lady came through, knew you, and she got a spark and decided, I'm going to step out on faith and I'm going to start my own company. And she did that. She's also headed to law school. And is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. So we can leave the law school in there? Yeah. Okay, okay. And she's about to have a wonderful conversation with us today. So I want you to sit back and listen to uh, this discussion we have with the one and the only Mimi Martinez. Thank you. That was oh, that's yeah. so sweet. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's so good to have you. Um, of course, we see each other all the time and we, you know, we chop it up, but uh, to have you on here in a different un, uh, light, I think would be, was necessary. And so when we were thinking about guests moving forward. I said, well, we got to book Mimi. Let's get Mimi in here. She's doing amazing things uh, in the community and she's doing amazing things across the city. Um, and so I'm so excited for your journey and for you to tell your story with us today. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Absolutely. I'm really excited. Absolutely. So as we do here on New Voices, we're going to go all the way back to the beginning. Mm -hmm. Tell us about, uh, just walk through the Mimi Martinez story for us. Um, so I came to the United States when I was 10 years old, mm -hmm. um, came, um, immigrated from Honduras. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we we're just talking about it right before we got on. But yeah. the journey itself was very interesting. I think it's um, really made me mature a lot faster mm -hmm. um, just because of the things that I experienced during that trip. Um, as I mentioned to you, like I lived a time in Mexico and, you know, we, we were brought here. My mom tried a, the legal route. Mm -hmm. Right. As people say, the legal the legal route. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. like it's so Wh whatever simple, right? That means. Whatever yeah. that means. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, she tried that and it didn't work out for us. Actually, as a matter of fact, we got our visas banded for 10 years. So we were not allowed to apply for a new visa oh, within wow. a 10 year time period. Yeah. And 
my mom then made a difficult decision to like bring me across the border. Mm. And that meant crossing through Guatemala mm -hmm. and crossing to Me Mexico. Yep. Um, we went through Guatemala once, uh, made it to Mexico, got deported, and then got deported from Guatemala back to Honduras, then tried it again. Mm. Um, it, Guatemala, we made it to Mexico again, got deported to Guatemala, and then we tried it a third time and we made it. So oh, talk wow. about the like, you know, persistence, right? And yeah. my mom really wanted us to be here. And the reason why really was because she just wanted me to have better opportunities because yeah. in Honduras, education is not something that's really, unfortunately, been... Um, pushed by mm -hmm. family members or like even the government itself right, right? um you have people kids dropping out in fourth third grade i mean my grandma never went to school at all so wow. education wasn't something that was um you say a priority yeah it's more survival you know you want to make sure that people are surviving so if it means that you're working on the fields my mom grew up um working in coffee fields okay um in tobacco plants mm. as a kid wow. being exposed to that and she just didn't want that for me. So right. she made the difficult decision to bring me in. You know, it was, it was, she knew that it was dangerous and I knew that it was dangerous. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know that it was going to mark me for life wow. you know, in, a, in a certain way. Okay. Uh, let's talk, let's stay right there for a minute. Uh, in that, in that passage uh, from Honduras to America, um, what, you know, you, when we were talking before we got on air, you were talking about some of the, the racism mm -hmm. amongst brown to brown people, mm -hmm. not just mm -hmm. others to brown people. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk a little bit about like, what did you endure throughout that, uh, that year process of trying to leave Honduras and make it to America? Um, it wasn't so much in Guatemala that I experienced, but I mean, if you're definitely a, a migrant from a different place, it doesn't matter if from Central America speak the same language. Mm -hmm. There's, there's, you know, you can tell somebody's not from your area just by the way you speak. Yeah. Like somebody from Louisiana comes Same over here, here, right? Yeah, yep. But, you know, um, when I got to Mexico, there was so much um, just hatred in certain ways mm. um, towards like Central Americans, right? Okay. And I understand that, you know, people might have had an experience with the gang or, mm -hmm. but, you know, just like here, you have... Um, propaganda that gets spread about every community yep. it's the same over there right yep. but the thing is like people would literally call mm -hmm. immigration and say hey there's you know people from honduras or you know they're from central america come mm -hmm. get them and yeah. i mean to that point you know like here you hear people like i'm gonna call you know right ice on you whatever but like people will do it over there right. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> they follow through on it yeah they follow through on it and that itself, I remember we were, we came with a coyote, right? So we were... With a coyote? Yeah. Well, that's what they call the smugglers. Oh, coyote, okay, okay. Coyote. Okay, okay. okay. Coyotes, yeah, I'm yeah. about to say a coyote. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about here? I know, right? So we came with the smugglers and then um, there was an instant when we're actually, like the third time that we actually made it through, um, the smuggler, he was really dark-skinned. You can tell he had like Afro-Latino, yeah. you know, my aunt. Nothing to do with me. Very mm -hmm. light skin, mm -hmm. like color eyes, mm -hmm. right? Looks a little bit more um, European. European. Yeah. And then I'm in the middle, right? Yeah. We get pulled over by immigration. Mm -hmm. Can you not? Like we're, we are in the clear. We literally had walked the whole night to get around a checkpoint. Oh, wow. Um, around a mountain. No, no lie. I mean, to the point that we were with, um, we met other migrants and they were carrying me because I was just, you know, 10 years old. Right. So they, they were just carrying me just so we can make it through yeah, and I, could, I remember my feet, not like being able to feel my feet. We see a little town. We're like, okay, we're going to go to this little town. And on the way there, we get pulled over. 
And no one, no one called right. uh, immigration or anything like that. But we just get pulled over. Mm-hmm. And how Mexican police works is that you have to give them bribes. Give them money, yeah. Yeah, you yep. give them bribes. We only had enough bribes for us. Mm. And then the the police officer is like, oh, you are, you know, you're a smuggler. You're going to go to prison. And you guys are going to get deported and blah, 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 blah. And I just like froze. And I was like, what, am I, what do I do? What do I do? And I just started crying. Mm-hmm. And I was like, don't deport my dad. He's my dad. Don't take my dad to prison. <laughs> and then I just started crying. And like, and then my husband, my my aunt, excuse me, mm-hmm. uh, looked at him. She's like, that's my husband. That's my, like, she just kind of followed along, yeah, you know? Yeah. And they let us go. Oh. They, didn't, they didn't let the rest of the people go. Right. Um, there was about five other people with us, but they let us go. Right. And the smuggler is like, I forever like, He's like, I didn't think you were like quick on your feet like yeah. that. Thank you. Like yeah. you, you saved me from and going to prison. Right you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think like when he looked at it, like, I remember the officer saying like, well, like she looks like she could be could from be... both, you know, right, like, yeah. yeah. So like, I guess they believed us. And, okay. and he did say like, yeah, my dad is my, my wife is from Central America. Like, mm-hmm. you know, but she's from here. And I had fake Mexican papers. Okay. So like, they're like, okay, you know, and back then it was more believable because the way that they prep kids to walk through the border. It's like you had to rehearse. You have to know your lines. You right. have to know what school you went to. I knew the Mexican anthem. Don't ask right. me about it now, but I did knew it at the time. Yeah. I knew like the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah. Like I knew what I, like I was basically quiz In- Indoctrinated yes. to, yeah, yeah. To learning all that, right? Yeah. I knew what school, I knew, I made up teachers' names. Like, mm. I mean, you, they ask you questions, you better be quick. Right. Um, so that was the way that I was prepped to come through the U.S. So it was just like, mm. you know, just a lot of practice and yeah. like, you know, certain words that we say in our dialect, you can say those words because they will give you away, right. you know, that we couldn't say. Right. We had to like eliminate those 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 terms from our language, yeah. essentially. So some sometimes like um, when I hear people that like my little cousins just came from Honduras, they say certain words and I'm like, I don't know what that means. But mm. part of it is just because when I was a kid and... Right. Too, it was just like I was forced to like not repeat those words again and then you just forget and you just don't say them again. Right. So now what what when you know what was the impetus for leaving Honduras? Why why was it so uh urgent and, and such a, a a press to leave? It's just the crime, the okay. crime and the lack of opportunities. Okay. There's there's just so much. Um especially we we don't come from a family of generations of family that mm-hmm. that went to school and like prioritized yeah. education. People that do well in Honduras don't live in Honduras because, uh, you know, why it. would you live if you're comfortable? You have right. maids. You can't afford the lifestyle that you have here. My right. little cousins that just came from, from Honduras, mm-hmm. they are 14 and 16 years old when they came here. Mm-hmm. They were they were um, the help, essentially, mm-hmm. for the richer people in Honduras, you right. know, and, and they can do with them whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's just like, I mean, that is just some of the, the stories that are coming out of there. And. My mom, you know, luckily she was sending money because she was already living here in the U.S. She was sending money to to my grandma, but she left me when I was five. Mm. So she wanted to have that relationship with me again. And that's why she wanted to bring me. Yeah, She didn't want me to grow up over there. Mm-hmm. And like I said, she tried it the, you know, the, 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 the right way, the right, way, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. as people say. But mm-hmm. um, it just didn't work out because you have to have a lot of money to be able to like even get a visa. Absolutely. And that was just not our case. Right. Um, so that's the reason why she brought me and like, you know, just going through the whole journey in Mexico and like the things that we experienced and the things that I saw, mm-hmm. um, like I was telling you, I was with the, with the smugglers when we finally made it to, um, the border cities mm-hmm. in Mexico, there's like ranchos, yeah. ranch, you know, everywhere, right. just mm-hmm. kind of like hidden. Right. Mm-hmm. We were there and I, to the point that 
the other individuals that were coming with us, they're Mexican citizens, right? They're getting smuggled into the country. Mm-hmm. We're all in the same boat. Yeah, they treated us like crap. Mm. You know, I remember like having, they wouldn't even give us the food that they they bought for us. Wow. The smugglers will go grab food and he's like, here, women, spread it, make something for everybody, right? <laughs> just and, like that. And they would, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like, they just threw the, you know, and they expected all the women in the group to, to cook for everybody else. Wow. And then they wouldn't feed us. So I remember like faking stomach aches to like hide tomatoes and whatever I could under my, you know, under my shirt. So right. like I could give it to my aunt. Right. Um, so we could eat something. So it wasn't like the best experience. And then, you know, and you don't see the inflation with migration like you do at the border now. Mm-hmm. I, I see like, I think is it, I see like the hum- humanity, right? Mm. I see like Mexican citizens coming to aid and helping all these migrants. But like that just wasn't my experience right. at the time. Okay. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I, I want to go. So now you're in America. Uh, how did you get to Tulsa? So we came straight from once we were in Arizona and, and and, you know, sometimes this is like the movies. This is where the stereotypical stuff comes in. Mm-hmm. But um, we were in a trailer with like, I think, 40 individuals. And, and then from and when we got to Arizona. Wow. Um, and then from that point on, everybody gets in different cars and they just disperse. Disperse. Yeah. So we went through all over the U.S. and we were the last ones to get to Oklahoma because Oklahoma has so strict laws. Mm. So they're like, we don't we went everywhere but Oklahoma. Right. We didn't go through Oklahoma. Right. Um, we just we were the last ones. And. I actually got dropped off at the research on 71st and Memorial. Never forget on December 13th. Are <laughs> like you at 10 serious? o'clock at night. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, and I remember, oh God, I get emotional every time I think about this, but I remember wanting to see my mom so bad. Mm. And then I saw her mm. and I saw a stranger. Like I had no connection with this woman. Mm. I was so like just disconnected from her. Right. And part of it was because, you know, she loved me when I was five right. for, to give me a better life. But it, we, I only knew her voice oh. and she didn't even sound the same when I saw her. So it was, it was, um, oh God, um, get emotional every time because like, I don't like talking about it too much, but yeah, mm. it was, I think it was just so life changing. And we didn't have this conversation up until a few years ago. Mm. We were driving to Chicago. We had a road trip together. Um, we did it on spring break and we talked about it. I was like, did you feel something when you saw me? Mm. And she starts crying. She's like, no. Mm. She's like, and I felt like such a bad mom. But when you hug me, I didn't. And I didn't either. And right. just letting it out, it felt so good for both of us, you yeah. know, because I think, you know, she was afraid that I was going to judge her. Right. And I was afraid she was going to judge me right. for not, not, feeling not having that the connection, like the bond, like, oh my gosh, my mom, like. Right. I miss you so much. And I remember like we got to the apartment and um, she was like, you're really dark. And I was like, yeah, I've been in the freaking desert. (laughs) 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 I've been walking around mountains, mom. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And I remember she she was like, she couldn't even, because I smelled. I mean, I was in a car with people for weeks, no shower, you know. Right. So like I stunk and mm-hmm. I remember she grabbed all my clothes through it on a trash bag and she was like, okay, here are your new clothes. Start over again. But yeah. it was just really weird, like just that interaction, mm-hmm. you know, with her. And I bonded more with my cousin, Carla. She's like one of my best friends mm-hmm. with her because I had seen her in Mexico. She went to see her, see us at some point that we were in Mexico. She actually tried to bring me as a relative, okay. but my, my aunt couldn't, she got so nervous anytime she got asked any questions that... Right. Her partner didn't feel comfortable, like, bringing us across the car, you right. know, and through the border and all that stuff. He's like, oh, no, like, we're going to go to jail with this one for sure. Right. So 
um, and I looked a lot like, you know, he's really dark and he, we have some of the similar features. So mm-hmm. we could, pa- he could pass for my dad. So yeah. we had like a story, but again, the storylines did not match. Right. So they didn't feel comfortable making them you, that move. And I remember just like bonding more with her and I can see the jealousy in my mom, mm. you know, cause she was like, why is she like, I'm sitting next to her. Like yeah. I'm cuddling next to her right. and not necessarily my mom, right. you know? And we slept in the same bed for like a year and a half. Mm. And then, because in that household, it was my cousin, her kid, her mom. And then my mom, my aunt that came in the journey with, with me. Right. And then my mom. So six of us in a two-bedroom apartment. Wow. And my cousin's kid too. So seven wow. of us, actually. And uh, I remember slept in the same bed with my mom until, you know, she managed to save enough money to move out on her own. And she was like, one thing you've never had is a bedroom. Of so own. of my own. Yeah. So she, that's what she gave to me was a bedroom. And then she brought my grandma over. So in one bedroom, my mom slept with my grandma, my aunt, and, and her. Mm-hmm. And then my sister came along a couple of years later. So there was four people in one bedroom. And like now that I look at it as an adult, I'm like, oh, wow. Like all the things that she did and I didn't appreciate right. it at the time. <laughs> <laughs> you never do nothing for me. Okay. Yeah. Well, how about I give you a bedroom? Yeah. How about yeah. That? Like, yeah. So that's, that's, that speaks to that. But yeah, I think that moment when I saw my mom, it was just so weird. And wow. I think about it because I wish I felt something. Yeah. I wanted to feel something, but yeah. I remember like I was overwhelmed with emotions. Mm-hmm. I'm on the verge of tears and I see her. And they just dry up. Mm. Like I felt nothing. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Um, and how long, what, what was the time period that had passed from when you had last seen her? So you were 10 and five years, five years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Whew, boy, that's, that's, and you think about it as a young woman, you know, you're, you are um, developing in age. Mm-hmm. You are finding out, you know, who you are as an individual you know, you are in this journey from one culture to another culture and to have to do that without your mother, the closest person in the world to mm-hmm. you, you know, in terms of like nature, why, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, so for, for that had to be like super challenging. Um, so you get here, you go through school here, um, you graduate uh, from high school here. Mm-hmm. All right. And then you go off to college. Where'd you go? So I went to, um, actually, I wasn't on a college track. I graduated from Tulsa Tech. I did automotive. Okay. And just because I, I just the only thing that I found it, I found interested. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until I got to uh, Tech, one of my um, instructors was like, you should really go to school. Mm. Like, you should see beyond this, you know? So he really encouraged me to apply for TCC. So I went to TCC. Um, and because I didn't have any idea of what I was doing, mm-hmm. like I found a group, in my tribe to this day, mm-hmm. um, it was a Hispanic student association. This lady, Tina Peña, found yeah. me, yeah. um, at the Metro campus, lost as a puppy. Uh-huh. She was like, you look like you need some help. Okay. <laughs> and so she helped me enroll. And she told me about this program, HSA. Mm. And she was like, you should be a part of the program. Next thing you know, um, she is setting me up with these two guys, Omar and Juan. Omar, um, you know, is like, hey, let's let's go out to, you know, like lunch. Mm-hmm. And let me introduce you to like, uh, I'm the chair, mm-hmm. my VP Juan. I was right. like, okay, whatever. And we go and I met Juan and I just bonded with this guy. Mm-hmm. And he's my best friend to this day. Oh, wow. So, but um, I met my, this friend in my clique at uh, TCC. Um, unfortunately for me, I moved out. I didn't have a good relationship with my mom. Hence, mm-hmm. you know, what I've just shared. But yeah. I moved out. Um, 
right after I turned 18. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really, I couldn't balance staying in school, paying for an apartment and all that. And and especially because I was, I just had DACA. Mm. So I didn't qualify for any financial assistance. Um, DACA had barely rolled out. Mm So I was brand new to the program. Mm. And, um, you know, we, none of us knew what to do. So I just, and I honestly didn't have any experience. Like my first year, I flunked two classes off the bat Mm. because I I didn't know how to manage time well, you know? And um, one of the things that, you know, I dedicated myself to at the time as well is working with our risk, um, you know, students that Mm -hmm. come from immigrant families or immigrants themselves, Mm -hmm. because I understand firsthand, like what that disconnection feels like. Yeah. And then when my kids got to go to college, and I say my kids, you know, they're grown now, but yeah. when they, I started picking out the classes for them, I was like, this is the classes you take. This is how you manage your time because I never had anybody to do that for me mm. because all of us were trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, all of my friends were in the same boat. Yeah. We were all first generation college students and we were all trying to figure it out. So yeah. it's not like we could really necessarily mentor. We can lean on each other, but we couldn't mentor, mentor each other. Mentor each other. Right. Yeah. No, I get it. So we uh, we meet. Uh, you come through New You, mm-hmm. and uh, you were grappling with some things. And at that time, you were uh, with one uh, nonprofit organization, and then uh, you were looking though to step into legal. Mm-hmm. And I think you were engaged at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, congratulations on your nuptials now. Thank you. Yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk a little bit about how your how your life has kind of morphed from this um, immigrant experience to DACA, mm-hmm. right? To now being able to like carve out your own path. Mm-hmm. What are some things? What does life look like for Mimi now? So one of the things that I think has been really interest, intru, in, interesting, interesting, really, mm-hmm. um, and it's so important has been the relationship that I have now with my mom because she's been incredibly supportive and mm-hmm. I wouldn't be where I'm at now if it wasn't for her because she's, she's encouraged me to take risks. She's a risk taker herself. So yeah. she's really encouraged me to do that. With that said, um, you know, when I came to you, I was really and I'm very confused. And I, I think I'm still on that a little bit. I'm mm-hmm. still trying to figure out what my next move is going to be. Yeah. But I was just like, I was so excited to do this nonprofit work. And mm-hmm. yet I feel like I have no impact. And mm. I'm always, um, through my previous jobs, I was always very connected with community. And with mm-hmm. this new job, I didn't have the opportunity to be connected with community the way I was before. Yeah. So I missed that a lot. Mm. I really missed the interaction with families and like having that connection. and um. It's almost like an outlet for me to also express myself, you yeah. know, and I, I didn't feel that. So when I went through the program, it really brought a lot of clarity. And I was like, look, I already kind of started already this business, like, but I have, I have not invested in it. Right. I mean, I wasn't, I right. mean, you know, I didn't even talk about it really. Right. Um, I wasn't invested in it. And I was like, but I'm, I'm good at it. I know that I can do it well. I just need to invest more time in it. So that's last year I decided to like just leave that job, mm-hmm. give myself the opportunity to really emerge myself in like the, the tech and like learning my softwares and like learning everything about the photo booth business mm-hmm. and really um, create, you know, just the outlet because it's just an outlet of expression. You know, I get to really, really bring my creative side out with with a lot of this stuff. And I, with that came a little bit more clarity. I was like, okay, like I really want to go to law school. Like mm-hmm. it's probably not going to happen in the next year because just I'm trying to get my citizenship stuff and all that stuff going. 
But like that is something, a goal of mine. And really what motivates me is because of all the injustice I've seen with my community. You know, mm-hmm. I really want to do something around the employment law area mm-hmm. because I've seen from so many times like people not getting paid what they're worth or not getting paid at all for the, the work that they're doing. Right. And then they're getting threatened and because immigration here is such a, just such an issue and, you know, and people are so scared. Like mm-hmm. a lot of times they never seek any legal counsel because right. they're just they don't want to be deported they, don't, or, they just yeah. don't want any trouble you right. know in the community a lot of times it's like we don't want any trouble right and that's where i feel like you know i have an outlet i have a voice that i'm not afraid to use mm-hmm. and like i can be you know an outlet for people to express themselves as well okay okay very good very good so we like to uh there's a few questions that i ask mm-hmm. every guest right and one of them would be, you know, can you talk about, and you, you've kind of done this the whole time, but I want I want you to t- talk about a particular moment where, you know, life got heavy mm-hmm. and you didn't know how you were going to get out. What did you do? How did you go about it? Like, how did you navigate your way? Can you kind of walk us through like a, a valley experience that you may have endured? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm thankful that I'm in a great place place now, mm-hmm. but unfortunately that hasn't always been the case. So I think, you know, unfortunately toxic relationships, mm-hmm. whether it's with family members or somebody that, you know, you're a partner mm-hmm. or um friends, um, those are the instances to me that that have hit the heaviest because I love so much and yeah. I, I pour everything out of me into that relationship. Yeah. And I think that's um, a specific instance that I can think about is leaving the last relationship, the last long-term relationship I was mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. and how I started seeing all these blessings come to me at, once I got out of that relationship. And mm-hmm. it was one of the hardest things I did because my ex-partner had a son, has a son mm-hmm. and I was very emotionally attached, yeah. very emotionally attached. And I was manipulated constantly with like, because hey, of it. Yeah. because of it, like, oh, you know, you're kicking me and my kid out mm-hmm. or I'm like, no, I'm kicking you out. Yeah, yeah. You're, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, no, you gotta go. <laughs> you're, you're no good, you know? And right. and I think it was really hard. And yesterday, actually, I saw, uh, we have a friend in common and mm-hmm. they shared a picture of his kid. He's so big. Oh, wow. And like, I just got overwhelmed with emotion. Cause yeah. I was like, wow, like, you know, I was with this little kid for six years and now he's like a full grown teenager. He wow. looks like a grown man. Yeah. Um. So I think letting go of that relationship was the hardest. And, my mom told me, everybody around told me, my friends saw things that were red flags left and right, right. and uh, not wanting to listen to that or just, you know, making excuses for it. Mm-hmm. And it finally got to the point that I was like, if I don't do this now, like, I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to get out of this relationship. Yeah. And making that decision was probably the hardest at the time mm-hmm. and the best decision. And I've had a lot of, you know, conflicts with family members as well. And I think those have been really hard, like heavy on my heart. Yeah. But, um, you know, just sometimes being able to walk away. And the biggest thing for me was I want to heal from this relationship. So I'm going to go back to therapy. Yeah, I have a lot of things to work because I knew that I wasn't going to love any because I was so insecure. I was, mm-hmm. I, you know, I was constantly like, you know, thinking in my head, if I start dating somebody, are they talking to somebody else? Mm-hmm. Are they going to cheat on me? Like, extremely right. paranoid. Right. So I, I, um, Wanted to work on myself. So I stayed single for a while. You know, I would go on dates here and there, but I stayed single for a while. And I think that was the best decision that I I got it, able yeah. to make because I got to know myself That's so it. much more. That's it. I got to know my, like, things that I like, my triggers. Yep. 
you know, things that made me happy. I got to com- like learn about my love language and how I communicate that and yes. how I work with people that have a different lo- love language than I do. Yes. And that experience was, I think, where I grew the most, yeah. you know, and then I, I found my person. Yeah. And it's it's so healthy because like with him, it's like, oh, here's my phone. Like, can you read the text? And I've never had that. Right. Like any, even something as simple as like having their passcode to their phone. Right. Not that I'm checking it, but like right. just that reassurance yeah. and like, transparency just, yeah and yeah. i just i'm in such a good space you know um emotionally right now mm-hmm. but i think lately too i've recently transitioned i started a new job new job mm-hmm. and i'm still doing pick me too right? right and i um i called one of my friends and i was like i'm just overwhelmed like i don't know what to do like i don't know if i'm doing the right thing mm-hmm. should i take this job should i like am i giving my mentor she was like i think you're giving in too quickly i think you got impatient with the business mm-hmm. You want more and yeah. it doesn't happen. You have to build that overnight. And I did. I did get impatient. Yeah. You know, I did. And I, I jumped <laughs> in this new venture and now I'm doing both. And right. I think it's been a little overwhelming, but I'm now to a space that I can breathe again. Yeah. I think the last two months uh, were a little heavy, mm-hmm. but like I'm, I finally get into a good place again and I'm like, okay, yeah. time management, like I can do this. Yes, you know? <laughs> for sure. For sure. I speaking to that, that whole point about, uh, Felt relationships. So I had a felt engagement in in 2010, mm-hmm. and um, w- I, you know when I when it was over, it was over, right? And you know, wish her the best. Nothing but good things to say about her. She was a wonderful. She is a wonderful person. Uh, uh, however, though, like I had to learn me, mm-hmm. right? And so I went four years like single, single, well, as they would say, dollar bill single, like. You know, I went on a couple of dates here and there, but I was single, single mm-hmm. for four years. I would go shopping by myself. I'd mm-hmm. have some headphones on. I would go to the, you know, go out to eat and sit at a restaurant by myself. And I'll almost be annoyed that somebody interrupted me. Like I'm I'm having a good time mm-hmm. over here by myself. And I actually got to explore me and mm-hmm. like understand what do I like and what don't I like mm-hmm. and who who's worth my time and who's not worth my time. And I remember vividly one one young lady I met, um, you know, we met at, at an event and we exchanged numbers. So we go out on a date. Right. And when we go on a date, um, there was a few things she said in our conversation that automatically were like disqualifiers. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm not going to mm-hmm. do this. So so we wrapped up the little meal and I took her and I dropped her off. And she said, um, this is going to be the last time we see each other. Huh? I said, yeah, pretty much. But I, I wish you the best, you know, like no, no, you know, mm-hmm. you had a free meal, you know what I mean? But, but this is, you're not going, I don't, there's no future with you, you know, yeah. and it's okay. And so I think that that's something that's important um, as we develop, uh, there's, especially when you're somebody like yourself yeah. who has so much in you, you have so many talents, you can do so many things, right? I think knowing who you are is vital so that you don't become at the mercy of what somebody makes you become mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and so like really doing that soul searching that self searching to have a a, a a valid blueprint or understanding of who you are and like you said what makes me go and what's making me what makes me stop what makes me think and what motivates me right um what demotivates me what mm-hmm. makes me confused or frustrated right having an understanding of all of that will help you in the next phase of life and so I'm, you know, it's amazing that you're doing it at the age you're doing. You know, you like most people don't figure that stuff out till 40, 50s, you know, third marriage, fourth marriage, you know, but you're 
you wanted to do the work early, right? And then go into this with an understanding. And of course, I met your husband, Eric. He's a great guy uh, and, and your dogs and everything, right? So the, the question we usually wrap up with is this. Um, how do you or how have you held on to hope? No, whether it's on a mountaintop or whether it's in the valley, like when you think about all the things that you've endured and that you've seen throughout this time, mm-hmm. how have you gone about holding on to hope? So I am, I used to be very religious growing up. I grew up in a very conservative religious household mm-hmm. and I strongly believe in God. Neither, nor I'm like super involved in church or anything like that now, but I think just having that faith, mm-hmm. you know, that, that God is putting good people my way. And, mm. and I, I don't, I don't just say like, oh, I'm just going to leave it to God. You mm-hmm. you have to do the work. You have to do the work. You have to yeah. do the work. You cannot just be like, I'll just leave it to God and yeah. God will take care of it. Nope. You have to do the work. And yeah. it's by the people you surround yourself with. Yes. You know, I think building a strong network of people that, that build you up, mm-hmm. that are happy for you. Wish that you well. Celebrate yeah. with you. Yep. They cry with you. Yeah. Like they, they have genuine feelings towards you. Yeah. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Whether those are family members, friends, you know, you create your own tribe yep. if you have to. But I think it's finding those individuals mm-hmm. uh, and letting them in. Yeah. I think that's a big part. A lot of times we have so many walls up yeah. and we we tell ourselves, and I've heard it from multiple friends, I can't find like the friends that you have. Yeah. I'm like, I have let them in. Yeah. <laughs> We've had hard conversations. Yeah. We disagree on things. Yeah. We have learned to agree to disagree and we have built this friendship mm-hmm. because we have let each other in. We've exchanged ideas and they don't always agree with me. I don't agree with them. Right. But we have built this network of yeah. like friends. And, you know, it's not network, but like just friendship. And, right. you know, just that that trust is there. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's really important. And, you know, you were saying earlier, it's like, you know, letting getting to know yourself. Mm-hmm. I think in anything, if you don't know yourself, and I'm I'm still working. I'm you. Ne- you're never gonna stop no. working on it. Yeah. And that's why, like, anytime I see a program or like, that's why I went to Neo. I was mm-hmm. like, I need this. Yeah. I I know that I need this. And um, just working on yourself, I think, is really really important to holding on to hope because once you know yourself, you mm-hmm. know your strengths and your weaknesses. You're going to lean on those strengths. Yeah. You're going to say, okay, this is what I'm good at. This is what I want to pursue. Um, and then also that's when you know your limits and right. your boundaries. And I think that saves a lot of heartache. Like I draw ba- boundaries with my family. I'm very clear on them. They like it or not. I'm like, listen, this mm-hmm. is for me. Mm-hmm. This is not about you. This right. is about me. Yes. And I'm going to do what is going to make me happy and yeah. me comfortable. And yeah. if I don't want to be around a different family member, mm-hmm. I didn't have, I didn't invite half my family to my wedding. Me either. Listen, when I when I got married, <laughs> I I we had a guest list of 108 people, 93 showed up, and I had a bunch of relative aunts and uncles who who were there when I, when I came out the womb, but they weren't invited mm-hmm. because my thing was this, you know, I got married at 35. So I was a little bit older. I can't get married and go back to a one bedroom apartment, yada, yada, yada. Like, I'm not 25 trying to figure mm-hmm. this out. I'm mm-hmm. 35 and I'm I'm taking on a, a woman, not mm-hmm. some young girl who, right? And so you know, we're going to leave this wedding and we're going to go into a house and we're going to set up a, right? Mm-hmm. And so I can't spend my house money for you to drink and dance. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not, it's, it's not even wise, mm-hmm. right? And so I, and I think in America, we we definitely got this messed up because the actually, actually, the way it was designed was that the parents would pay for the wedding because the parents were established. Mm-hmm. But now we, the bride and groom, 
are paying for the wedding, right? In, in a lot of cases. And they're trying to have the same type of wedding that established people used to throw. Mm-hmm. So like now you're starting at this deficit day one. When you get married, that's the first day. That's not the last day. Mm-hmm. Like the wedding is the beginning, not the finale. Mm-hmm. In, in, in America, we treat it as just the finale. Like, okay, yeah, now we're married. Okay, now you're arguing about a bunch of bills you can't pay because you just dropped 35000 on this wedding mm-hmm. and you're going into a one-bedroom apartment and, and your, your light bill's behind and your water bill's behind, right? Mm-hmm. And so you want to talk about where your first arguments are going to come? Right there. Finance, yep. Yep. So and family's not going to be there they're to not pay your be. bill. No, nope, nope. you know, and you know, and and with me, it's like drawing the line because I know my family very well. I'm like, if I didn't serve the right alcohol, they were going to complain. Mm-hmm. If I didn't have the right food, they were yeah. going to complain. They were going to, you know, like any little thing they were. So I just, I just didn't invite certain family yeah, members, yeah. and they found out like everybody else through Facebook, it's okay. <laughs> social media. Yeah. Hey, it's, it's what it is. Yeah. No. So, and I, you know, that was something. My mom, she helped me pay, pay for some of the wedding, and I even went there. I was like. I will take your help. Thank you very much. Yep. You get one table. Right. You get one table. Yeah. People, <laughs> she was like, what? I was like, I don't care. You get one. T- like, if you're going to help me, you're going to help me because my mom always has a saying, si vas a hacer algo, hazlo bien. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do something, do it the right way. Right. Do it because you want to. Okay. Right. Because it, it, it comes right. like, from the heart. Not to get something back from Exactly. Yeah. So I was like, and I used to back on her and mm-hmm. she said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's true. My dad did the same thing where he, he, you know, he wanted particular relatives to be there and he's like, I'll pay extra for this. And, and we look, we're not doing three, 400 people to make you happy. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a child and you're not paying enough for this. Mm-hmm. And so we scaled that all the way back. Like I said, 108 people, 93 showed up. It was a wonderful time. And and the thing is, what I told them is anybody can come to the wedding. You're welcome. If you want to come to come celebrate me, you can bring a gift to the wedding. If you if you care that much, come to it. And we did it on a Friday. Mm-hmm. So that was another thing. Like we did it during the work day on a Friday. So you had to want to be there. Mm-hmm. And if you couldn't, then it's, I don't I'm, I'm, I'm OK with that. Mm-hmm. Right. But what I don't believe in doing is being an added expense to someone when you see that they're trying to do something bigger and better, you know what I'm saying? And uh, so often family puts that onus on you, like, but I'm uncle so-and-so and I'm on, uh, no, 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 no. Or, or what you could do is you can help put some money in and that may, you know, get, take some stress off of me. Right. Yeah. And so I just think that, you know, I'm, I applaud you for um, standing your ground, which I know you will uh, standing your ground and saying like, no, this is how we're going to do this. Uh, many times individuals, especially brides, don't do that. Mm-hmm. They they concede to their mother's, you know, uh, desires, right? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, this this $15,000 wedding is a $40,000 wedding. Exactly. Because mother wants, you know, the the high... Brag know. to her friends. Yes, yeah. I told her, I was like, the be- the, I would tell him, I was like, the pictures are going to be beautiful. Your friends are going to see it on Facebook, like yeah. everybody else. So <laughs> she got some of her friends there. But, you know, I think... You know, something that I've always admired and I criticized a lot earlier on mm-hmm. is about like my dear white friends. Like mm-hmm. they they set boundaries with their, I mean, at least from what I've witnessed, right? right? At least the people that I've been around. Yeah. They set boundaries for like around their family members mm-hmm. and like, I'm not going to go around so-and-so. Yep. And I always like, why their family, you yeah. know? Because I grew up with this mentality, the family's family no matter what. No matter what, yeah. And it's true. But you also have to set boundaries. You have to have boundaries. You have to, yeah. if you don't say, hey, like, you know, I am just not willing to, you know, 
just put with this energy in my life, or mm-hmm. just like I just don't want to give them this anymore. Right. Because you're giving them a piece of a piece of you every mm-hmm. time you, you know, say yes. You say yes. Yep. So I've always admired that. And I criticized it for a long time. I was like, oh man, white people like they just don't care about their family, mm-hmm. right? No, it's just they a lot of times they set boundaries. And mm-hmm. not, not it doesn't apply to everybody, but right. you know, at least in the circle of friends that I've had, like I've always admired that. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm older and I'm like, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Like this is healthy, you yeah. know? And you don't you don't have bad blood between, you know, right. it's, it's just a way to avoid a lot of things. But yeah. I think with that said, with hope, a lot, a lot of times is just really like doing the work for yourself. Yeah. You know, it, it's not easy. I was just telling you before, like, I'm looking for a therapist right now because mm-hmm. there are some things that I want to work on, but it's not easy. And it's just really, you know, like learning yourself mm-hmm. because I think once you know yourself, it's it's just uh you just get to enjoy life a lot better. Yeah. You get to like pick and choose where you want to be and the places that you want to be. Yeah. Agreed. And to me that's important. That's where I want to be. Like I've I am so like um just grateful really like to God and the universe for like putting the people that are in my life because they're just amazing people. Yeah. And when I surround myself with those great people, I mean more great people. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps going and like I don't feel this like stress of like keeping up with the John Joneses, right? Yeah. Like I just feel like me and I'm accepted and I'm loved and yeah. I'm enough. Absolutely. Absolutely. Call to action. So what, what, how do people follow you? How do they find you? Uh, what's a, what's the last remark for you? So my Instagram is Mimi.Y.Martinez. Okay. <laughs> it's long Instagram. And then pick me as uh, P-I-C.M-E. Um, that's our, our uh, pick me page. Um, I would say, Really like connect with me any, you know, any way you can. Um, you message me on social media, I'll respond to you. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I'm the type of person that will give my phone out um, if I could. So. Yeah. You don't have to do <laughs> No, but yeah. I mean, I, just, um, I love connecting with people and yeah. I, I, I just love having a network of individuals in, in my community. And I, I think in, in speaking, you know, one thing that I can say is I'm really grateful to you because I've met more amazing people through the program. Mm-hmm. But it really allowed me to kind of really ask myself the tough questions yeah. and and ask like, where do I want to be in the next five years? Yeah. You know, where do I want to be with myself in the next three years? Mm-hmm. What do I want to do in the next year? What yeah. are some action steps that I can do mm-hmm. to start making some of those visions come to life? And I still have my vision board. Oh, nice. Yeah, I still have my little check that I wrote out to myself right there. Nice. So it's working towards that. And I'm really, really grateful for the opportunity. I love it. You are more than on your way. I'm <laughs> telling you. Um, and I'm so excited for the work you're doing with Pick Me. Like you're everywhere and uh, don't give up on it. Mm-hmm. It, it takes time, yeah. but it will pay off in the end. All right. So don't give up on it. Um, but uh, tell us real, real quick, uh, 15 seconds. What is Pick Me? So we are in the business of capturing memories. So okay. whether that's for a corporate event or a wedding mm-hmm. or a birthday party, we're really there to just make it really fun, interact with guests, make sure that your guests and you, yourself have a really good time by mm-hmm. like not just taking a photo but it's really creating those memories that are going to last a lifetime. So we do that through many different avenues, mm-hmm. through, you know, a photo booth, a slow motion booth, mm-hmm. well as a 360. I mean, we have many different ways that we can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, creativity, it's its just really, it's, it's uh, you know, limit. Um, yeah. So its it's been great and I'm really excited about it. And I'm really grateful to the support of like our friends and our family that are like refer our business to everybody. Yeah. And Mimi serves as the chief fun officer, uh, the CFO. And so we're just so excited. I'm really excited for you, Mimi. You're going great places. Um, Stay the course. 
And uh, thank you for making this time uh, to spend with our audience. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another edition of New Voices. We'll be back. See you soon. Be safe. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of New Voices. Visit our website at www.newutulsa.com. That is N-E-W-U-Tulsa.com. Follow us on social media at New U Tulsa on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And a special thank you to our producer, Jesse Ulrich. If you're looking for self-improvement, join our free cohorts for personal and professional development opportunities. New U is a way for diverse talent to imagine, discover, and actualize a 2.0 version of yourself. Bring your future into focus. 